Hello and welcome to Your Employment Matters. I'm Beverly Williams and I'm here to help you navigate your career. This is for anyone who's searching for their dream job or promotion, or perhaps you're just looking to hang on to the job you have. Today's work environments are multi-generational, multi-religious, multinational, multiracial, and multi-gender and multi-gender identity. Add market disruptors like Amazon and Lyft, along with the addition of AI, and it's easy to see why finding and keeping a job is such a challenge. Employment success and even employment survival depend on your ability to adapt. That's why my goal for this 30-minute podcast is to first advocate embracing change and differences, and second, to encourage you to proactively assume responsibility for your career. Get your work week off to a good start by listening to Your Employment Matters every Monday. Find out how to own your career and get the best practices for making your employment matter. A few weeks ago, I joined a webinar hosted by the Dell Women Entrepreneur Network. The speaker was Precious L. Williams. Now, Ms. Williams is a 13-time, and I'm going to get this right, 13-time National Business Elevator Pitch Champion. Yes. Yes. She's been featured on Shark Tank. In Forbes magazine, on CNN, ABC, MSNBC, in the Wall Street Journal, and in the movie Leap. The webinar description said that Precious L. Williams would share her tips, tricks, and other information that women entrepreneurs needed to become a hashtag killer pitch master in all industries, not just women, yes. all industries. So now as I listened to the speaker, you know, I was like, okay, I'm nodding. I'm nodding. I became more and more interested in not only her employment journey and the things, the message that she was conveying, but I became mesmerized by her life journey. Now I'm telling you, Precious L. Williams has a story that I personally believe will inspire anyone who hears it. Not only that, she has advice that will benefit many. Now, obviously, I was not the only participant (laughs) in this webinar. There were a whole lot of female entrepreneurs, women entrepreneurs on the webinar, and they were so excited. I mean, in the chat room, they're saying, oh, this is fabulous. This is wonderful. This is wonderful. I want to connect with people. Here's how to get to my LinkedIn page. Please connect with me. And I said to myself, I think I should connect with these people. This is a good opportunity. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not that dumb. I said, this is an opportunity to reach more people, to connect with more people, to learn more things. Mm-hmm. So I put my LinkedIn link in the chat room. And within a matter of moments, I had more than 15 new contacts and connections. So rather than me continue to talk, I am pleased to introduce Precious L. Williams. Welcome, Precious. And thank you so much for taking time to share your messages because I believe you have many. Welcome. First of all, 
let me thank you. It is an honor to be here. It is an honor to help inspire people, but I don't want to just be an inspiration. I want them to take action on my words. It's nice to hear, you know, overcoming stories, but also to to know that you can do it too. It's not just for me. It's for a lot of us. Like we're not the sum total of our mistakes. And I don't know about you, but for a long time, I believe I made so many mistakes that I would never, I would never have the opportunity to live the life I wanted to live. Now I know that that's a lie. Oh, listen, let me tell you, you are an example for others, but you're absolutely right. You're a wise woman because you know, because you've been down the path and made mistakes and recovered and you may have made more mistakes. Right. But there's recovery. Vindication is possible, but you got to keep plugging away. That is so true. That is so true. Or give up. I don't know how to convey it more strongly than that. Mm -hmm. Hopefully you have a strong support network because people in your corner, the right people in your corner, you can't beat that with a stick. You can't. And sometimes you focus so much on the wrong people in your life that you don't even see who's right. And that was my problem. You know, I had no idea when I was homeless, you know, and I I went through whatever I went through when I was homeless and when I was a severe alcoholic. I didn't know that I had a support network that I could contact and just say, here's just how I'm feeling. I don't know what to do because I was hanging around the wrong people who wanted to keep me in that state where they can control me and tell me what to do. And so when I look back, I'm so glad I'm four years clean. And so four years plus clean and sober, you know, I live well. Just to look back and be like, he can do it. He did it. He showed me something that I didn't think was possible. There were days, you know, I would wake up every day and need the bottle before I could do anything. I needed to drink. I wake up today. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Let me get that water. Let me get my water on. Let me get that water. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. My mind is so clear. And they said it takes about a year, year and a half for the alcohol to leave the system. Mine is gone. I have no taste for it. I don't mind people drinking around me because they're having fun. It's part of their fun. What's fun for me is just to spend time with my people in whatever state they're in. I'm just happy to be there. I'm happy to be like, I don't need that. I just enjoy your presence. That's my love language is just being present and spending quality time, listening, laughing, loving, hearing people's stories, things that they need to get out. That's what I love. It's not about my achievements. Well, no, but why don't you share your story with our listeners? I am from St. Louis, Missouri. I grew up knowing that I wasn't wanted from the time I was born. My mother every day let me know she wished I was never born. I was ugly. I was stupid. I would never make it. We lived in the hood of St. Louis. And it's funny. I look back and I remember being five years old and hearing this voice say, you're going to be a talk show host. Sounds so strange to think a five-year-old would remember that, but I do. And I used to watch Sally Jesse Raphael. I used to watch Phil Donahue. And when I went to school, that was my happy place. I was always in trouble for talking. The very thing I get paid for today is the very thing I used to get in trouble for years ago. Anyway, my mother and I just never saw eye to eye. And it comes down to the fact that I think she was mad at my father. He was a drug addict. And I think I just reminded her so much of him that she just couldn't take it. So on November 18th, 1991, she nearly beat me to death. Uh And if it wasn't for the grace of God, for me walking two miles to my aunt's house, broken, bleeding, just horrific. I was taken out of her custody, sent to go live with my father, the drug addict. That was, it was a hard three years. A hard three years of just feeling like, why am I on this earth? My father doesn't want me. My mother doesn't want me. 
I felt so bad about myself. I used to watch my cousins with their mothers and fathers and just be angry. Why is this happening to me? Why did they get everything? What is so wrong with me? And when I was 15, my grandparents stepped in. And they asked my father to let them let me come live with them. And I didn't want to go because I was like, man, they old. I'm so <laughs> glad I didn't make that decision. I'm so glad. When I walked into that house, I walked into a house full of love. It was just me and them. They could dote on me. We could talk. My grandmother twinkled my toes in the morning to go to school. My bath water was drawn. I had a home-cooked breakfast. Then my grandmother would whisk me away to... So she would drive me to school in the hood, make sure I walked through the front door. She was there when I got out of school, drove me home. We have a home cooked meal. My grandfather, my grandmother and I, we sit and talk. And I look back like I didn't even know how good I had. I thought I had it good, but I don't realize how good I had it. That I can call on my grandparents at any given time. I can call my house when I was in high school any time and say, Grandma, I'm upset about something. That's just so silly that I could do that. And I had no idea that my grandmother was just nursing me back to health. She was nursing my heart back to health. She took a cold, broken child and she built me back up with love. Never cursed me out. Never called me out of my name. Never was abusive. That's hard to believe in the hood. Because of her, she encouraged me to speak. She encouraged me. She said, when you speak, everybody listen. And I didn't know that that was true. But that was her encouraging something she saw in me. And she nurtured it. Before I knew it, my first speaking engagement was before the mayor of the city of St. Louis, Freeman Bosley Jr. My second speech was before the governor of Missouri. You see how fast that happened? But she knew. She used to tell me, Oprah's going to know your name. She made me do affirmations. She she just encouraged me. And then one day we were watching Oprah and Janetta B. Cole, Dr. Janetta B. Cole was on there with Spelman women. And I said, I'm going there. I want to be just like those women, poised, elegant, excellent elegantly quaffed. I said, I want to be like that because I didn't see that when I was growing up. And wouldn't you know it, I got a full scholarship to Spelman. That's marvelous. First person in my high school ever. I was the valedictorian for the class of 1997. I was Miss Beaumont, 1996, 1997. I don't know for some of y'all who do not know, that means I was the queen of my high school. I wasn't prom queen. I was queen for a full year with the parade in the city of St. Louis. Like I look back like, what? I did that? And so went up to Spelman. Graduated in four years, went off to Georgetown University Law Center on a full scholarship, got kicked out in 2002, started over at Rutgers School of Law in 2003, had a nervous breakdown in 2004, and I believed that I was never going to finish. I really believed I'd never finish law school. It was just meant for me to be a bum. And somehow I made it through to be the number one student attorney in my class. I finished on December 15, 2006, did the February 2007 bar, passed May 4th. And walked the stage on May 25th, 2007, already knowing I, I was going to be a lawyer in a great state of New York. Came to New York, was an attorney, had some great positions that look good on paper, but I did not like being an attorney. I ended a seven-year relationship, started a new relationship with a very famous Hollywood actor. Oh, and by the way, I was 327 pounds. Yes, yes, you heard that right, y'all. Big girl, big girl. I was a big girl. And I managed to attract a very famous Hollywood actor. He's deceased now. And the way he made me feel about myself, I went from wearing flats and just kind of being in the background to being the bright, bold personality because of that relationship. And I wanted to start a company called Curvy Girls Launch Prey. Nobody believed in it because they said no fat girl is ever going to be on TV. This is before Lizzo, before Ashley Grumman on the cover of Sports Illustrated, there was me. And since no one would invest in my company, even though I had a law degree, even though it was highly educated, nobody would give me money. So... 
<laughs> I just looked back. In the blink of an eye, I went to an event I could not afford. I walked up to the media sponsors for MSNBC. I walked up to the producers and I pitched not knowing what I was doing. This is before Shark Tank and everything. I pitched and they said, you could be on the show. It was called Elevator Pitch on the, the Your Business with J.J. Ramberg. Do you know what? At 54 oh, seconds? It, came on, it came on a Saturday morning? Yep, it did. Mm-hmm. That was the show I was on. Yes, I remember I used to watch that. Right. February 12, 2012. That's when I did it. And so when I tell you, in 54 seconds, I walked away with $500,000. Wow. Mind you, I had negative $400 in my bank account. And so that's began the career of the killer pitch master. They told me to enter pitch competitions. I became a 13-time champion. After that, we were on Shark Tank, CNN, Wall Street Journal. We were on a lot of like television shows around the world. I'd done movies, documentaries. Like I did the things that I once only thought people who looked like me could do. And I got to do it through the power of speaking and the power of pitching. And then the love of my life died. And to be honest, he took part of my soul with him. I didn't have the will to live. I didn't have anything. And I tried to drink myself to death. I took all of my psychotropic medication that I hadn't been taking and tried to drink myself to death. And if it hadn't been for my cousin saving my life on my 38th birthday, I wouldn't be here. I lost everything. I became homeless. I was still in a severe alcoholic. I thought my life was over. Everybody, those doors that, that were open to me because of my skill set, they all closed. And I said, it's over. I don't have a reason to live. I thought I had embarrassed my family, my schools. And I went to this deep depression, like a really, really deep depression. And it's funny, in my darkest hour, that's when my friend, Miss Joanne Francis from Bright Point Health, she got me into the Bowery Mission Women's Center. And I was there almost two years in the Bowery Mission Women's Center, which is a Christ-centered life transformation program. When I went in, I had one blue coat, one blue dress, and a book bag. My entire big life was reduced down to those three things. When I walked out on September 1st, 2018, I had movers move my stuff. Did did you hear what I said? How little I walked in with? I had movers move my stuff. Yes. That's how blessed I was to be in that program. When I tell you people used to come in and they always assumed I was staffed because of the way I dressed, the way I carried myself. And I look back, I'm like, God, you you, you needed me to step away. You needed me to focus on you. And when everybody, uh I mean, the timing wasn't right before. No, it wasn't. And I think God had to rid me of everything. Because, you know, me starting over and still having certain people in my life, it wouldn't work. So I had to be reduced down to nothing to be where I am today. And when there's a song by, what's her name? Fantasia, Lose It All to Win Again. That's exactly what happened. I lost everything except the one thing that mattered, which is God. He yeah. says, you're going to do it my way now. Do it my way. And I and did it his yourself. way. Okay. And yourself. You didn't lose yourself. No, I didn't. You didn't lose yourself. You didn't lose your faith in God and you didn't lose yourself. Right. Don't ever underestimate that because that's critical. Right. You are, uh, like I said, you're a phoenix. I mean, you rise, you you go down, you rise, you go, go down again, you rise again. I mean, it takes intestinal fortitude. Say that again. Test- intestinal fortitude. Yes. It, does. it takes that. It takes encouragement. It takes knowing that you did it before. Maybe you can do it again. But if you did it before, you can do it again. Yes. And I don't think enough people have that much faith in themselves. But that you owe to your grandma. I do. Because it took, think think about her being a grandmother and being raised the way she was. How does she know that, her way of loving me would work. 
she didn't do me the way other people did me. She loved me and she saw that I was different and she embraced it. When people told her how she should raise me, she said, no, I'm going to do it. My, she wanted to do it her way. And because of her, she called me her golden child. And I rose to the occasion because she had expectations. My grandfather exactly. had expectations of me. So who did I think I was not to live up to those expectations? Who did I think I would? Exactly. Because I couldn't come home with no bad grace. Oh, no, I'd rather not. You know, I used to get the lectures from hell. And I know some people be like, I'd rather have that. I'm like, really? 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 You like to have that? Sit with your grandparents for two, three hours and hear about what you could be doing. Don't let them lose confidence. And I was like, I'd rather them smack me around than hear that. No, your grandmother was exceptional and she knew exactly what you needed. Mm-hmm. And what she gave you was long lasting. It was yes. everlasting. Right. She wasn't the one to say, oh, Precious, I need you to cook. No, she should. T- I remember her. she should tell people, Precious will have people do that for her. Now, you imagine saying that to, <laughs> to people in the hood. They're like, what? She thinks she are that. My grandma was thinking she is. Yeah. Like, think about that. That, that. that takes courage and that takes vision. And she saw it. She was like, the one that everybody gave away is the one I took up. It's like the cornerstone. You feel it also. I do. I feel it. I feel like. I don't know how to explain it, but you know, even when things are rough and they don't look like it's going to turn around, I know I feel it. I feel, okay, I don't know when it's coming, but I feel it is coming. Right. (laughs) It's coming. Tell us what you're doing now. What, What is the big thing you're working on? So the big thing I'm working on now is my third book is coming out. It's called Pitching for Profit, The Bad Bitches Playbook to Convert Conversations into Currency. And as you know, Beverly, I am the two-time number one best-selling author of The Bad Bitches and Power Pitches for Women Entrepreneurs and Speakers Only Business Series. And those books are all about pitching, communication skills, visibility, taught from a different and a fresher perspective. Remember, I didn't go to school to learn how to speak. I've been speaking professionally since I was 16. And as a 13-time national champion who's been on every big show that when it comes to pitching and communication skills, I can talk about it from the perspective of I've been in your shoes and I've also been in the other shoes of people judging. I'm a pitch coach. I'm a pitch judge. Not only that, I'm an international professional speaker. I am a corporate trainer for the Googles, the LinkedIn's, the Microsoft's, the NBC Universals, the Federal Reserve Bank. Mind you, I told you I came from the inner city of St. Louis, Missouri. By any stretch of the imagination, I shouldn't be where I am. So to be a two-time number one best-selling author walking out of homelessness and addiction is crazy to me. It's crazy. To stand before InStyle Magazine, to stand before Microsoft, to stand before some of the biggest companies in the world, and they are not phased by my past. They were like, you rose like the phoenix. And the way I teach and train is something they've never seen before. Do you know my first book was reviewed by Forbes Magazine, and I was only a year out of homelessness? That's great. You know, I had a billboard in Times Square. Did you know that? Wow. No, I, I didn't was, know. When I was a little girl, I knew that was going to happen. I just didn't think it would happen when I was 40. Right That's now, I'm working with a major television network on a dual hosted talk show. Yesterday, I spoke at LinkedIn's Transform Her Conference, and I went right after the opening speaker. And when I tell you, my inbox, the comments lit up. Like LinkedIn wrote to me just to say, you know how to do it. You know. When you come on, everybody watches. They were like, people have been anticipating this for two months for you to speak. Think about that. I'm that little black girl that nobody wants. Can you imagine when big companies call just to say, hey, what are your rates? We want to bring you in. Say what? I'm happy for you, precious. Say what? You know, my third book coming out, I would love for this to be the New York Times bestseller. I've been an Amazon number one bestseller and not for a few hours. I've been a bestseller for weeks. 
but I want to be a New York Times bestseller. I know that's right, and girl. Once and for all, I am who I say I am. No, whether that happens or not, you are who you say I, you I, are. You're right, I am. But it's, it's so good to have goals and to say them out loud. Some people oh, are afraid. I'm not. Absolutely. Basketball coach used to say to me, oh, what was his name, Mr. Hightower? He said, shoot for the moon. And if you don't make it, you just fall among the stars. And I, listen, right. I'm, I'm already with the stars. That's great. That's great. Now, you say you have this, your third book is coming out. You want to tell them the name of your the books that are out now in case yes. somebody, yes. somebody wants so, to purchase? Yes. So my first two books, the first one's called Bad Bitches and Power Pitches for Women Entrepreneurs and Speakers Only. That is by Precious L. Williams. You can get that at Amazon.com. Target.com, Walmart.com, BarnesandNobles.com. And that book teaches the psychology of pitching. Not necessarily how to, the formula, but the psychology. What type of, like, how do you create the perfect pitch that fits your branding persona? And then I have my follow-up book that's called Bad Bitches and Power Pitches, The Workbook by Precious L. Williams. And in this book, I teach you step-by-step how to create the killer pitch that will help you slay all competition based on the principles in my first book. And then my third book, which I had just previously spoken about, is Pitching for Profit, The Bad Bitches Playbook to Convert Conversations into Currency. The reason why my third book is so special is because once you have your pitching together and you've had your successes, I'm going to show you how to really profit off of those pitches in a way you never thought of. I'm going to show you how to monetize your network. I'm going to show you how to get your network to mobilize behind you and nominate you and put you in places you never even knew existed. I'm going to have your name set in circles that you didn't even know were around. Getting you speaking engagements, awards, entree into places you didn't even... I remember Joe Ossian, she said, he'll take you places you never even dreamed of. Those places exist. And if I wasn't blessed by God and if I didn't have my God-given talent and multiplied it, I wouldn't be able to tell you the truth. When I look at my clients, and they're on Shark Tank or they're getting multi-million dollar investments or they're getting two-year corporate training contracts, fully paid, executed and everything, or they're getting the jobs of their dreams. That's where pitching can take you, but it can take you so much further than that. Remember, I was that little black girl from St. Louis, Missouri. All I wanted to do was host a television show. I've already done that in New York City. So now I want to be the number one speech communication solutions company in the world, started by a black woman to show other women that you can do anything you set your mind to. We are not the sum total of our mistakes. If anything, I'd rather know from someone who's been there than someone who hasn't and gotten that out of a textbook. I want to show you step-by-step how if you're in poverty right now, even in the mind, not even financially, but if you're in poverty of the mind, I'm going to show you how to make that mind feel. I'm going to show you how to get abundantly minded. I don't care where you are. Your family's against you. Your friends are against you. It doesn't matter. You got God on your side. He gave you a vision. I'm going to need you to see that through to completion. My money's on you. Thank you. I'm willing to bet on you. Now, given everything you've been through, the bumps, the lumps, the highs, the lows, if you could do it all over again, would you do anything differently? No. And I know that sounds so fast how I said it, but I've actually thought about this. I'm sure you thought, I'm sure I, we've never, we haven't talked about no, this. No, we've never talked about it. I'm sure you thought about it. I have. And the truth of the matter is I wouldn't change a thing. Even the most darkest days of my life, now that I am on the other side of some of the darkest moments, I see why they happened. I see why I was given the parents I was given. I see why I was given my grandmother. 
I see why I went through everything I went through to be a testimony to someone else. And no matter how far down the totem pole, when everybody is against you, this is when you you hold on to God's unchanging hand because he's about to prepare you for something you've never even believed could happen. I am living proof that no matter how far down the totem pole, rock bottom, you can bounce higher than the people looking at you right now. Promise you that. There are people who look at me today just kind of like, how does she do it? I'm like, first of all, it was God. And when he told me to move, I had to move. Yeah. Ain't nothing but the Lord. But let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Suppose there are people out there listening who are shy. They're not as self-confident as you may be now. What advice would you give them? I mean, they have to step up and step out, but how do they do that? First of all, I want people to just be happy with who they are, right? And I know that's hard, but the truth of the matter is the most beautiful thing you can do is know that you were already created to be a masterpiece. You just have to pick up your feet and walk to it too. Secondly, God didn't make us all to be the same. Have you ever looked at all the flowers and the birds? None of us are supposed to be the same. So I want you to bloom where you're planted with what you have. Sure, all of us would love to have all the money in the world to come for the greatest families and stuff like that. But the beautiful thing is, because you didn't, you can create it and you can show others how it's done. I have a big gregarious personality, but do you know how for so long people told me they hated my personality? That I was too much? Yeah. Today, I'm so Gucci with it. I'm so Gucci with it. When people meet me, they're like, that's who you really are like you are on live or how you are in, in video. I'm like, yeah, that's me. Because I finally accepted. I finally that's- accepted who I am. That's how you, but you come across, your authenticity comes across. Mm-hmm. It's palpable. Right. I mean, you know, I never met you before that webinar. We haven't met yet. But when I was watching you on the webinar and I was listening to what you were saying and why I must have seen the women's reaction. And the entire time I was interested in what you were saying. But I was smiling, almost laughing, because what you were saying, it was like hearing one of my girlfriends talking. And I said, these people about to lose their mind because she's telling them what they, if they should just go to lunch with us when COVID is over. Wow. This is what, this is how we talking over, over a hamburger. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's that kind of, but not all of my girlfriends. Because I have different types. Yep. Everybody is not the same to your point. Mm-hmm. And like, I know who to call. I know who to have lunch with when I'm having a certain type of issue. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like my oldest girlfriend, we've been friends since we were four years old. If I want, if I'm angry and I want somebody to get angry with me, I call her because she's going to get angrier than I am. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. I'll be able to sit back and she'll be talking about him and she won't even know him. Oh, she'll be ready to fight. She'll be ready to fight in the street. Oh, I will. I mean, since we were kids. But then there's another one who's got that kind of mindset, but she's more balanced. Mm-hmm. She's more strategic. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's like I'm blessed in that regard because I have those kinds of people in my life and my friends, the one that since we were four years old, but there are others since. At seventh grade, college, high school, graduate school, law school. I'm fortunate and I know it. Mm-hmm. I know, it. but I know because I've lived long enough. I know that everyone doesn't have that foundation 
Say it again. That, yep. that, that confidence and self-esteem, that vision and that knowledge and sense that they can do whatever they put their mind to. And they need encouragement. They need guidance. They need tools. And that's what I've been trying to do for the last, oh, almost decade now. Mm-hmm. Trying to get people to think differently about employment because you can't just wait for somebody to tell you you don't have a job anymore. Do mm. you know what I'm saying? You work and you've been working for five years and then all of a sudden they say, oh, we're going to lay you off. Well, didn't you see that coming? If you work for, say, let's say, for example, you worked for the post office. There's email. There's FedEx. There's UPS. There's That industry has changed significantly. Mm-hmm. Something's coming. Now, they can say they want to keep all the postal workers, but they ain't going to do that. So true. So where you need to position yourself. And maybe you don't leave your job. Maybe you don't resign. Maybe you and your friends or your family members or someone with common interests, maybe you can start a business. Right. Maybe you can start a business. You need to have multiple income streams. Right. You need to keep your eye focused on the industry that you work in so that you can see the ebbs and flows and get ahead of what might be coming down the pike because you can't make companies keep you. Right. They're going to do what's in the best interest of their shareholders. Right. And that means earning more money. Right. And the best way to do that, the quickest way to do that is to lay off people, employees who are making salaries that can affect the bottom line. Mm -hmm. And the more employees you lay off, the more money you can put towards something else. And that's the way it works. Mm -hmm. But everybody don't think it's going to happen to them. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter how well you do your job. That job can be moved from wherever you're doing it to someplace else, another state, another country, another continent. Mm -hmm. And they may not ask you to follow the job. In fact, they're not likely to ask you to follow the job because wherever they're sending it, they can pay an employee there substantially less than they're paying you. Right. But people don't, they hear it, but they don't believe it will happen to them because, you know, they're so fantastic at what they do. Right. No, I've seen it too many times. I've represented clients who, you know, had to defend age discrimination cases in connection with layoffs, sex discrimination, race discrimination in connection with layoffs. Like everybody, I don't know how many people got laid off. There were only one or two women, one Mm. or two. So what are you going to do? You got to find another job. So you have to prepare yourself mentally, emotionally. And people are tied emotionally to their jobs. Listen, I was too. Queen, I'm going to be keeping a buck. I'm going to keep it a buck with you. The truth yeah. of the matter is, as an attorney, that was my whole identity until yeah. it wasn't. Yeah. It's important. I know people who have lost jobs. And in fact, that's how I got involved with doing this. I remember with the recession around 2008, 2009, I saw people, when I was watching television, I saw grown men in business suits in tears because Mm -hmm. they lost their jobs and they could no longer provide for their family. Mm -hmm. Men who had always been able to provide for their family. Right. And they couldn't. And they were doing things that were counterproductive. Instead of networking 
and trying to find another job, they were sending resumes and resumes and resumes that were going unanswered. Mm-hmm. And they didn't understand why. And I would be sitting and watching television. I said, I can help him. I can. He's doing that wrong. He's doing that wrong. Because I used to be an HR executive. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can help them. I can help them. <laughs> you know? But to change the way a country of people think about something as significant and important as employment, it takes years and years and years and years and years. They don't believe it. Those people who are waiting for coal to come back, that's a problem because it's not coming back. You know, things are changing. Technology has changed so many things. Mm-hmm. I mean, open your eyes. Did you see Hidden hidden Figures? I did. That's when I knew. I mean, I said in the movie, at the end of the movie, I said, thank you, Lord. I needed to see this. When Octavia Spencer realized what was coming, she didn't wait until they told her, you don't have a job. She took her son to the library every Saturday. She taught herself whatever she needed to learn mm-hmm. and came back and she taught her colleagues. She taught her staff. So when they got ready to pull the plug, she said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm-mm. That's not necessary. We can do this. What? Oh, yeah. We can do this. Okay, show them. And they did it. And they did it. That's what I'm telling people they need to do. You need to keep your eye on what's going on, your eyes and your ears. You need to read and keep up with industry publications. You need to know what's coming. Artificial intelligence, uh, is anybody paying any attention to that? Mm-hmm. I saw on PBS, I saw a robot flip a burger. Whoa. I said, that's what I said. I said, oh, no. Well, you know what? I'm just looking at what's going on in real life. When you get rid of certain, like, I used to be a bagger when I was 16. Do you see anybody bagging groceries today? Girl, one of my dear friends, and we've been friends since we were in seventh grade, she refuses to go through one of those automated checkouts. Mm-hmm. She says, that means that somebody has lost their job. I said, see, what you fail to realize is her job is already lost. <laughs> now, I'm telling you, you stand in the line waiting for a live cashier here. My time is worth more than that. You doing that's not going to save the child's job. It's leading. It's leading. You cannot am I saying this, am, I, am I saying it's necessarily the best thing? No. But the truth of the no. matter is a lot of these those being eliminated can also in some way strengthen the pool because now you know you got to step it up. There are certain, like you're not getting rid of attorneys. That's something you're not going to get rid of for right now. There are certain things that okay, but they can get documents reviewed faster, right? So focus on the things that they're still going to need exactly. for right now. Like I'm a speaker. I don't know why you get a robot to sound like me or teach what I teach, right? And I'm not a teacher in the sense that I, I teach elementary, middle. No, no, no. But what I am telling you, because that's kind of being, I can see, I, I see technology taking that over. I honestly do. I see technology taking sure. over the teaching profession for young people. I do. I see it. Technology changed the practice of law. Right. So I see it in a way that when I was in high school, we had distance learning, which is the precursor to the online learning. Yes. And so what that taught me was you only have a few more years. So before everything is truly automated, because somebody has to run the automations too. Let's not forget that there, somebody has to run the automations and the, and the analytics and stuff like that. So some people are, those tech people, they know what they're doing. 
by eliminating certain things. And they're creating a monopoly on that. So where do we need to be? What kind of places do we need to be in to provide for our families and leave a lasting legacy? But we're not proactive. And when I say, I mean, people generally are not proactive. They wait and they they react. We react. We don't anticipate. Octavia Spencer did. Mm -hmm. And she was ready. But they, you know, there was a case I had and this man said he was being discriminated against because he didn't get a promotion. And I said, okay. Why do you think you were discriminated against? Well, because I, when I started here, I got promoted after four years. And then I got promoted again after, you know, another four years. And I didn't get promoted that third four years. So I said, well, when you didn't get promoted, did you think that maybe you should look for a job in another department or with another employer? No. And I said, I don't understand. <laughs> If you didn't get promoted and now another four years has passed, I don't understand. He says, well, I thought I was entitled to one. Oh, no, you're not. Mm -hmm. Whatever you were when they hired you and promoted you the first two or three times. So you're and the same people are in place. You think that they're discriminating against you now? Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. People are so connected. They don't think clearly. Mm-hmm. Because they can't be objective. And that's where, you know, typically I come in because now I do that kind of stuff as a consultant. I'm glad that you're doing that, right? Because if you didn't do that, where would people go? I can assure you, you can keep looking at all the YouTube videos and stuff like that. That doesn't help with the human connection. What are you going to say in interviews? What are you going to say to truly stand out in your cover letters and stuff like that? What are you truly going to say if networking now is done virtually? How are you standing out virtually? How are you working through your network? What they say, you, you, most jobs come through from people you know. Who do you know? And who the heck knows you? And, you know, my upcoming book, it should be out in about a month or so. Go ahead, is Queen. That's what I'm talking about. Your GPS to employment success, how to find and succeed in the right job. Girl, but don't snatch that found, title. I, I like that title. Well. She said, don't I, snatch I, it, pressure. Don't snatch it. I'm not going to snatch it. No. I, listen, you got your own stuff going. You know you, I you, do, girl. I ain't got no time. But I I can fully appreciate the GPS. Listen, I know you don't need to poach on my my land. I know that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I find that it's interesting that people, when I conduct investigations, I'm surprised that in instances where there's a claim of race discrimination, people have resented the fact that I am a woman of color. Conducting the investigation. They said, Oh, they brought you in here to make us look bad. What? I mean, and, and a person who wasn't a person of color challenged me and implied that I lacked integrity. I don't let anyone challenge my integrity, my honesty, or my ethics. Mm. I invite anyone who feels that they should do so, they should go and ask somebody who knows me. Mm. But people are very hypersensitive and they don't think that people who look like them should be doing that kind of work. Mm -hmm. I say you're wrong. It's people like me that you can rely on to do the right thing. Mm. That's the hope. You know, everybody may not be 100%. You know, I get that. But that doesn't have anything to do with color. That has to do with character. Mm. 
So if you get a person, an investigator that lacks character and integrity, doesn't matter what color they are. But I find that some people, even when I tell, I said, I'll tell them, I said, well, you know, this is what I think you should do. And this is why I think you should do it. What they'll say to me is, well, no, I like what I did. And you know what I say? Okay, I get that. I'm not a coach. I'm really not a mentor. Right. I give people advice and I walk away. Mm-hmm. I'm done. And, you know, the kids will call me and say, oh, I'm Beverly. Oh, you're going to be so proud of me. I'll be the judge of that. You tell me what you did and I'll tell you whether I'm proud. Let's not get ahead of yourself. And, you know, I'm honest with them. Right. And that's why I have so many young people who I can't say they ask me for advice, but when they need it, they will come to me. Right. After they've messed up. I can't with you. And I can't always fix it, but I can tell them how they might approach reversing the results. Right. But you never know. You never know. Now, is there anything you want to share with people about what you're doing that can promote your other than your books? Um, Yes, I have an upcoming conference called Pitch Please, the Ultimate Women's Power Pitch Summit. It's going to be on September 1st. I mean, September 18th, 2021. It's going to be a virtual conference. They go to my website, www.perfectpitchesbyprecious.com to learn more. Also, if they want to get in contact with me, you can contact me on LinkedIn. I'm Precious L. Williams, Killer Pitchmaster. <laughs> on Twitter, I am at Perfect Pitch P. On Facebook, I am at Perfect Pitch P. And on Instagram, I'm at Perfect Pitches P. And on YouTube, yes, I have a YouTube channel. It's Perfect Pitches by Precious. Would love to see you there. I also have a LinkedIn live show every Sunday. Did you hear that, y'all? Every Sunday. It's called Keeping It Real with the Killer Pitchmaster Show. Come learn all about the new tips, tricks, and techniques of taking your pitching skills to the next level. And also, you know, I know people love to hear me talk. They love to learn from me. But also, if you're seeking one-on-one coaching, uh, training, and consulting when it comes to pitching, whether that's the media pitch, the investor pitch, the speaker pitch, the elevator pitch, or the interview pitch, know that I'm a world-class master communicator in them all. I will work with you and I will create the pitches for you and coach you on how to say it so that you come out slaying all competition. I do group training. I do one-on-one training. I also can take a pitch that you've already created and chop it, chop it up, and I can make it perfect. I can also, you know, I have two hour laser focus coaching sessions. So you can get a taste of just how great I really can be if you just want to test me out. And finally, just check out my books. You know, that's a great way of getting introduced to me. They are not so much about my entire story, but more or less getting you to the point of where you're comfortable. And finally, if you want to learn about how to start pitching more effectively, I have a website and I have a free quiz. It's called Pitching for profit.com. Again, that's pitching, P-I-T-C-H-I-N-G, four F-O-R, profit, P-R-O-F-I-T.com. And if you take the six short question quiz, you will receive a customized report that'll tell you how to start creating pitches that will help you starting now. So go to www.pitchingforprofit.com. Well, thank you so much. I mean, that's a wealth of information. Now, as far as your the fees for your services, are they posted on your website? Yes, the individual prices are, not the corporate rates. Okay. So people will get an idea of 
how much they might have to save to get to engage you. Definitely. And also I have consultations too. Yeah. 30 minute consultations and one hour consultations. And then you can decide and we can decide together which will be best for you. Great. Thank you so much for taking the time today. I I sincerely appreciate it and I enjoyed it so much. Thank you so much. And I want you to have a wonderful day. And thank you so much for having me on your show. Okay. You have a wonderful day too. And good luck with going forward. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Your Employment Matters with Beverly Williams. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a review. I truly appreciate your support and that helps other listeners find the podcast. If you have a comment, question, or suggestion, you can reach me at bawilliams at youremploymentmatters.com. My book, Get the Job Done, is available on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. Please join me again next week. Until then, remember to embrace change and differences. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.